Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Welcome back to the Scoop Podcast. We are joined today for a very special episode by Ant Pippos and Nicole Minchin, the producers behind the brand new series, The Record, which is a two-part series following Australia's rollercoaster journey through the T20 World Cup. Nick and Ant, thank you so much for joining us today. Now that it's all done and dusted, how does it feel to have it out in the world? Well, I'll just say my, my overriding emotion is one of relief um, that we got there because it's been a really challenging um, process for us. Um, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also had its moments where we've thought, oh my gosh, are we going to get this made? <laughs> so the drama that started during the World Cup sort of continued afterwards with um, COVID, of course, um, striking and making it sort of more challenging to make a film. So um, I feel relieved. I feel excited um, over the moon that uh, we got it made and we're really proud of it. And the, the build-up to the tournament started two years beforehand. At what point did you both think this is something that you'd want to do a documentary on? It was probably in July 2019 that um, we went and met with Cricket Australia and uh, talked about the idea with them. We were really excited that we got in there first. And um, we talked about the vision that we wanted to show the cricketers in a really powerful but also honest way and so I guess we needed to know that you know we were going to be able to get access that we were going to um uh you know have unfiltered access and um you know show the good the bad and the ugly and uh, Cricket Australia were very um encouraging about that so it was very exciting to us and we went oh we think we've got a, a documentary to prepare for. And you've both done AFLW, AFLW documentaries previously. Why, why is telling women's sports stories so important to you both? Well, I've been a sports journalist for almost 25 years, so sport is in my blood. I love sport. But I also recognise that the sporting landscape is uneven and I've become in recent times a strong crusader to, to fix the landscape. Um, to make it um, accessible to everybody. So when you combine sport and a passion for equality, um, you get her films and um, it sort of ticks all those boxes for me. So this story was so compelling. It had everything in it 
that um, gets me excited. So we jumped at the opportunity to do it. But just on that um, pitching the idea to people because, you know, you need to bring people along on the ride. We're sadly, we're not independently wealthy women yet. Um, so we need supporters. And part of selling the story was to, to, to say that Australia will make the final because the obvious question was, well, what if Australia doesn't get to the final? And we got very good at saying, oh, of course they'll get in there. They'll have a smooth ride. They're the best team in the world. <laughs> As it panned out, they had um, they had a few obstacles of their own to overcome. Oh, I was just going to add that sport is really great for, for storytelling because there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And um, that, that does really help the structure of storytelling, except um, I guess with the tournament, we thought that the beginning was going to be the middle and the end. So that was uh, <laughs> that was a little bit of a lump in our throat, but uh, <laughs> obviously we got through <laughs> past that point. And you, you travelled around the country following the tournament. I know you spent time with... Um, Thailand and England as well as Australia. Did you have an original plan for how the documentary might play out and did that change given Australia's personal journey through the tournament? Well, I think as Ange said, um, so I'm fairly new to cricket and Ange said to me, don't worry, Australia will make the final. So I bought into that as well. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then after the first match, it was a bit of, oh. So, we, yeah, we knew that we wanted to have other teams as well and how important it was to have everyone's voice in this because, you know, because of the record and because of what it could mean to, you know, whoever was playing in the final. And, um, you know, that was a really important message. And at what point did you sort of think that you wanted to centre the documentary around Australia's point? Was there a certain moment during the tournament or was it after when everything had wrapped up? I think it's fair to say that Australia was always our main focus. Um, you know, as Australians, the tournament being here, we wanted to focus on the team. Um, we had players in mind who would become sort of our main characters in the documentary. And there was a little shift, though, when we were doing our interviews and Beth Mooney gave us an absolute cracker of an interview. <laughs> so um, she ends up, you know, featuring more than perhaps we thought she would um, because she had such a plain-speaking, laconic, cool style about her um, that we had to get her personality in, and in as many places as we could. Um, so, yeah, the focus was always on Australia um, you know, after the first match, India's story was so compelling. You know, I will stick my hand up and say I probably underestimated how good they were going to be. They were consistently good and they had a real um, swagger as well and we loved that about them. So we were very keen to, to follow them as well. So um, in the end, really, I reckon we've got the balance right and um, we got the right result too. Absolutely. And so there was one particular heart in mouth moment. I'm sure you'll both remember the the day and night at the SCG. Take us back to how you were feeling that day and night, and yeah, how are you feeling as the rain continued to fall? Well, I'll I'll start that that morning. Um, uh, you know, we were thinking, okay, maybe we should just 
go out for dinner tonight and uh, and relax because there's certainly not going to be a match. Um, you know, we got the cameraman to go out and film some rain and, you know, we're planning out the day and just thinking how on earth is this possibly going to happen? We saw players at the hotel looking uh, a little sad and, and um, yeah, so we were not anticipating that that match was going to get on. And um, I guess, Ange, you can talk about when it did and and how the emotions sort of came into play then. Well, I started feeling sick as soon as the weather forecast <laughs> a couple of days earlier came in. It just was sounding dreadful. But it was that waking up in Sydney that morning and seeing that rain, it was like a supernatural weather event. It was serious rain and there is no way I thought they were going to get the match away. Um, I can remember talking to you, Laura, in the media box that night and Mel Farrell was with us and it was a gathering of three very sad women <laughs> stressed <laughs> out of our minds um, and, you know, I needed to get, I needed to hear something positive so I, I certainly was hanging around with the wrong people because you two were just adding, <laughs> adding to my anxiety. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Stalaker has since told me that she believed that the match was going to happen. She said, as a Sydney cider, I had faith that that was going to happen. I said, where were you in the media room? When I needed that confidence, she was not there. So, um, you know, some of the locals had a, perhaps a better understanding of Sydney's bizarre weather patterns. Um, I felt sick. Um, I still don't know how it happened. The window, you know, it stopped. We played a reduced overs match and then it started again. Oh. I mean, what was that? So, um, oh, God. yeah, and I cried. Didn't we cried afterwards because it was relief. Yes, you. It was, and I, you know... It's stressful for the players. Yes, it is. But it was stressful for us. <laughs> we actually felt like we were, you know, doing a documentary World Cup in a sense. And so <laughs> every match was kind of a, is this alive? Is it not alive? You know, how can we, you know, what are the twists and turns that are to come? And we could not have scripted it better, really, at all. Like it was an incredible tournament. Well, you end up riding all the bumps with them because you've invested a lot of emotional energy into one project. And Nick and I didn't do other jobs. You know, other jobs were offered and we said, no, we're making this film. So you're putting all your eggs in that basket. And, you know, I certainly didn't see all that drama coming. And there were times when, you know, I remember in the second match against Sri Lanka, we're at the Wacker. When that third wicket fell, I was sitting in the front row of the media box. I, I went to the back of the room and I pretended to make a cup of tea just so I could get away from other people and quietly contemplate, you know, the film going up in smoke. Mm. <laughs> I oh, just, God. it was so stressful yeah. and, um, you know, Megan Rach got the job done, so that was good. Yeah, we were we were going to book our tickets home, but we thought, no, let's hang in there. <laughs> oh boy! As you said, the story was just so good. The journey Australia had to take, the rain, the injuries—you've really done it justice. What were the key things you wanted to get right in the retelling of the story? So we knew that, um, firstly, in the interviews, which Ange did a fantastic job in the interviews. 
we wanted the players in casual clothes. We wanted them to be relatable. And then we wanted to show their superhuman efforts, you know, on the field. So um, that was really important to us. And I think throughout the tournament, we saw them do interviews and they were always in their uniform and it was, you know, it was sort of a step removed. And so we we were really conscious that that's what we needed to do. And we did the interviews after the tournament, which was, um, you know, a blessing because obviously they were they were relieved, but also they wanted to really retell, and Ange can add on to this, they wanted to go through the pain that they had experienced and the highs and the lows and the uncertainties. And that was just so, um, yeah, that was fantastic to have. And that was kind of like the underpinning of, you know, all of this beautiful footage that we had shot that, you know, really, you know, at, at times you felt like you were under the Australian cap with them. You were in that decision-making process and, you know, on the sidelines it's shot in a way that's, you know, that you don't normally see when you're looking at a match and you feel, um, you know, a bit of that fear. And we weren't anticipating that we would get that from the players. We were thinking that they would be quite steely. Mm-hmm. and um, But the intensity of the, the lenses that we have are so, you know, they're so powerful that any twitch sort of says a lot. Historically, women athletes have been ignored. And what we want to do is redress that imbalance. And it's really important for us to tell their stories in a dynamic way and to showcase just how powerful they are and you know often women's sport has less bells and whistles than men's sport there are less cameras around the field and we just wanted to do justice to these fabulous women they deserve to be in the spotlight this is the world cup it's the pinnacle of their you know sporting careers and it needed to reflect that and um, you know creatively Nick put it together beautifully. You know, the drama is there. It's The pacing is right. Um, we've got some, you know, as you've seen, some really incredible tight shots to show how they're feeling at the time. Um, so, you know, it's really important that we, yeah, did justice to the story and I reckon we did. And I'll just add to that, which is that when you are in the presence of the Australian women's cricket team, you, you know that you're in the presence of the Australian women's cricket team. It's, it's uh, you know, Meg Lanning just becomes like a giant and, you know, that's, it gives me shivers even thinking about it. It's really quite exciting. So we wanted to put that into the film so that the viewer felt that presence and, um, you know, and then, and then similarly when there was, you know, there were troubles within the team or, or you know, with their performance to also not, uh, you know, not avoid that and um, and tell that because that was really part of the story of their, you know, coming back through the tournament and ultimately winning. Nick became quite obsessed with Meg Lanning's um, warm-up routine <laughs> and sort of her shadow batting and, you know, what she was doing on the sidelines became oh, yeah. a really serious <laughs> point of focus for Nicole. And she, started, and she started to actually emulate Meg. Oh, really? I'm not a bad person to emulate. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, knowing what I look like, it um, it didn't go down very well. But um, but Andrew always encouraged me in meetings to do it for her own pleasure, I think. <laughs> oh, that's great. And having worked in sports media for a while, did it 
Um, did it surprise you how much media interest there was on the Australian women during the tournament? No, because, you know, women's sport is on the rise and, you know, a few years and a few years ago we wouldn't have seen this, but the landscape is changing and Cricket Australia and cricket in general invested properly in the tournament. They promoted it properly. They invested in, in their women and this is what you get when you do it right. Um, so, I mean, it was great to see that amount of interest because I can't help but think about the beginning of my career when things were very different and, you know, you barely saw any coverage of women's sport 10, 15 years ago. Um, so it was good. You know, I'm all about celebrating the victories along the way because the road to equality is really hard. And this was a massive victory for sport and society. Definitely. And, and you've been a sports journalist, as you, as you mentioned, for many years now. Over the course of your career, how do you think the landscape has shifted? I'm glad you didn't call me a veteran. Like other veteran, <laughs> because that would be cruel. <laughs> um, it shifted. Look, it was incremental for a while, right? So there were gains along the way, but they weren't lasting. You'd see a spike in interest and and expenditures, you know, for the Olympic team every four years or for a World Cup, but none of it was really sustainable. Um, what we're starting to see now is a shift in attitudes because that's the key to it. You've got to change your thinking about women who play sport and women who love sport. Stop comparing it to men's sport. It is different. Celebrate it in its own right. Um, that is what we're starting to see now. So the, the attitudinal shift is the key for me. And 87,000 at the MCG will do a hell of a lot um, to shift those attitudes that are stuck in the dark ages. Do you both have a favourite scene from the, the film that really stands out for you? Do you want to go first, Anne? Sure. No, because I'm thinking. This is my thinking. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Um there are a few. There are a couple. I, I love the the pressure scene with Meg and sort of, you know, seeing how hard it really was for her as the captain to keep fronting up to the media and training and, you know, inspire her teammates with, you know, just mounting pressure and, you know, after losing the first match. But um, really for me where... The first time I saw the wave in part two and we cut that together with the players' reaction to the wave at the MCG, I just burst into tears and um, rang the editor just saying, oh, my God, you just nailed it. And, yeah, that that for me, you know, I when people say that, you know, if they're going to look at part one, don't forget to go to part two because that's the real Absolutely. payoff is in part two. And, uh, yeah, you, you can't miss it. It's the wave for me as well because at that moment it was for me um, we did it as in sport did this and it was a night that we could all celebrate. The pioneers of women's cricket were there. And as Moddy says in the film, this didn't just happen overnight. 140 years went into this. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real nod to the women who played in the 1940s and 50s, Betty Wilson and others, and they played when they weren't encouraged to play cricket. Um, 
they paved the way. And so at that moment, it all sort of came together for me that this is what you get when you invest in women. And there were so many kids in the crowd, boys and girls, weren't there? And just the excitement on their faces. Yeah, that was the standout. And I also, anything that Beth Mooney says (laughs) is a highlight. (laughs) Oh, she's a straight shooter. Well, Ange and Nick, congratulations on the the amazing product that you've done in the record. It's You've captured the moment in time superbly. And thank you for joining us. And make sure you tune in to the record on Amazon Prime from this Friday. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Guys. <laughs> away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the strike play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.